Welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah. And we're back. Happy New Year. Talking about function. How was your New Year, Kai? Up to, up to chasing. What? What? How was your New Year? Well, let me tell you. When... Go wild? Yes. So, my girlfriend's family knows how to party. Oh, yeah. And your boy didn't get home till 6 a.m. Because you fell asleep at 3.30 in the afternoon and then woke up earlier? Uh, no. we. Oh, no, we you were partying? Partying till 6 a.m. in the morning. Oh, that means all the dad jokes. <laughs> the dad jokes. All of them. Oh, yeah. Just blowing people up with dad jokes. You know, that's just what I do. I, I, I do. I'm very familiar. <laughs> very familiar with what you do. Yeah. Well, good, man. Sounds fun. Yeah. How was your New Year's? Uh, less fun. I got sick and then went to sleep at like 8.30. Oh, man. So well, we just... Yeah, we way just more did. sleep than I did. Yeah. Yeah, I got lots of sleep. Um, but it was all right. It was cool. It was, you know, I was sick. So what are you going to do? You know. Yeah. Here we are. But anyways, we're here... We're loud, we're proud, we're talking about some shit. Um, yeah. I got a random text message from one of my clients who got hurt. And I thought the text message was really interesting because it just kind of shed some light on the psychology of pain. And I think it's a thing that people don't think about with getting hurt. And in this case, like it, she got hurt, hurt. Like she, she broke her ankle and um, it brought on a lot of weird stuff for her. And so I wanted to, I sent the text message to Kai. I was like, should we talk about this? Kai's like, yeah, we talked about everything. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's talk about this. So <laughs> my setup for this is I'm going to read um, the messages she sent me. Uh, there's some spelling errors and stuff in there. So like, like, if I mess it up, don't get mad at me. But I just said, hey, how you doing? She said, everything is hard. And because of that, I noticed I'm not taking the best care of myself. And I have been trying to talk to myself into making food and drinking water, etc. I'm dependent on anyone that comes around me. And I don't want to be a burden. And I feel like I am. Which makes me realize what my mother went through. And I hate that I wasn't there more. And I couldn't see... I couldn't see why she, or I could, I'm sorry. I could see why she gave up at the end. I miss doing things I love that make me feel good, like the gym, which is stupid, but I really enjoy that time. And I was seeing, finally seeing some progress. Now I'm going to lose that. And I'm probably going to be worse off than I was before because I can't move at all. Sorry. I know that was a lot. Like I said, it's not a great day for me. I know I'm a pretty positive person normally, but today is not my day. So, damn. Yeah. Just damn. Damn. So let's talk about the damn here. Um, offering more context to that, um, she's somebody I had seen historically for other pain that wasn't as significant. So in this case, this is like the the, the first time she's really been debilitated, meaning that she's like, on a scooter she can't put weight on her leg because the bone hasn't set yet and if she does 
potentially the bone moves and she needs surgery. And I mean, really, she's just kind of bedridden and um, it's hard for her. But she said some stuff in there that like, kind of like made me go, wow. So, Kai, thoughts? I mean, I can understand where she's coming from. I have actually broken my ankle and had to pit me in a cast for 32 weeks. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. A long time. Um, and as a freshman in high school where you're oh. playing basketball and baseball and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the things that go on in your head of, like, your your world just gets turned upside down right like you're doing all the things that you love to do you're seeing results and then all of a sudden now you can't do anything which brings your life kind of to a halt right yeah and um it doesn't make you feel good and doing trying to do things that make you feel good you can't because of the injury um so i can definitely feel for her and um I just think that, well, I'll, I'll let you talk because I'm going to go down the whole psychological route. So I would like that's to- what I was hoping for. Yeah. So, okay. So um, for me, it was interesting how, now I've checked on her, right? It's been a couple of weeks. Um, it's interesting how I've gotten to watch the spiral, right? Hmm. <laughs> Sympathy aside, her aside, where she where she went is where a lot of people go. And so for me, it takes me back to when my daughters were born. This doesn't sound weird. But I had this like compounding time frame where I didn't have sleep. Like I was like so sleep deprived. And so what came with being sleep deprived, right? Like chasing carbohydrates, chasing caffeine, building bad habits, um, becoming delusional, becoming depressed, uh, becoming massively inflamed, wounds aren't healing, you have higher predisposition towards making mistakes because cognitive function is low, right? Like there's all these things that kind of happen that are compounding around me not sleeping. Well, that's what's happening to her, right? She's not sleeping well because she's uncomfortable. She can't get in a normal position she sleeps in. She's in pain. Her ankle's literally throbbing. Um, whatever, for whatever reason, the medication that's being given isn't working great. And frankly, it only works for so long anyways, right? And so directively where she's gone in terms of this like downhill, it starts small, right? And then it picks up speed, right? And it gets bigger and bigger. And it, it's a snowball effect, right? And so you know, we had conversation post that about like what her options were and how to like break the cycle and what she can do. Um, and I know her well. So thankfully I was able to reach her direct in a directive way that helped her. But the vulnerability of that circumstance is really hard. It's really uncomfortable to like, just be that vulnerable around pain. To me though, is how far she went down that hole, right? How deep it went. It became like, it got into like real trauma responses. It got into like real stuff that, that she probably didn't even know existed. And so I just think it's interesting because it's, 
I don't know what would have happened if she didn't reach out to me, right? We were able to have a really good coaching moment after that. And her response at the end of the coaching moments, I feel a lot better. And for me, it was just giving her options around like, hey, listen, like neurocognitively, you're in freeze, right? Freeze is the pressure. The way we change freeze is jumpstarting the engine. How do we jumpstart the engine? We find your why. In her case, I knew her why because I knew her and I addressed the why immediately. This is your why. So you've got to find fight around your why so that you can jumpstart your engine and get started, right? And so it became, hey, we're going to go buy some adjustable dumbbells. We're going to get you an inexpensive small bench for your home. You can get into an upper body strength routine. We can work on hip mobility. We can work on, and we just started like conversating around things that she could do, right? We started building momentum in the other direction towards being proactive around her circumstance. She was receptive to that being proactive. And, and so for me, I was fortunate that this worked, right? And again, I have an experience and relationship with her prior, but I thought it was important for me to come out and have a conversation around that. We've already, we talked about the why extensively in our last podcast. And I just thought it kind of like backed up to that well, because this is a real life practical application of taking your why and building around your why to create momentum and to jumpstart your engine. And that's what we're able to do here. And so it's, it's, it, it, to me, it was just like really like relevant to where we are uh, conversationally. So Kai, go deeper in the psychology piece. I tried to tread lightly because I know where you want to go with this and I want to backpack on it, but I want you to just put it out there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people avoid struggle. Right. And I don't think that that's what struggle is there for. Um, it's not to ruin your life. Um, and that's a really hard thing to wrap your head around, right? The perspective shift of everything is working for you, right? Um, and to me, what stood out about that text and um, what I, I mean, I don't think that this, you know, it's hard to say, you know, everything happens for a reason and the reason why she broke her ankle was for this, but you know, I always look at what is happening in their experience and what is the thing that they're they're either succeeding at or they're learning from. And so for her, she in that text was saying, you know, I now see what my mom went through. Right. So there was a learning for her and 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 a perspective shift for her to understand what true pain and almost like helplessness feels like, right? Um, and that can also shift her perspective on how she views the world, I think. Um, and now that she has that experience, you know, I'm not saying that she looked at people that were helpless and didn't, you know, you know, had all these judgments about it, but she probably will look at them a little bit differently. Um, she'll look at her life differently like she already has, right? Um, and I don't think it's any coincidence that she reached out to you, right? Um, she knows she has support around her well-being, and she can probably see now how valuable that is, 
because left to her own devices, she may or may not have, you know, got out of this funk. It could have gone worse, could have gone deeper and deeper and deeper until, you know, she had to make some changes to find somebody. Um, but, you know, with that being said, there's definitely layers to it, right? There's the actual pain that happens. There's a trauma response that happens. Um, and then there's the psychological piece that happens, right? There's the stories you tell yourself when those things happen, right? You know, like we talked about last time, how, you know, if uh, where you were sharing, um, you know, if, if there's nobody that needs your help, then you feel, you know, uh, not valuable and and not uh, admired and, and all those things and so for her it's like well now that I can't do things for myself I'm gonna feel like a burden on others right which is an interesting thing because uh, I, I come across this a lot with the clients that I work with um, and it's almost like a a paradox, right? Because the only person that can um, decide whether or not you're a burden is not you, right? It's the other person that is either caring for you or interacting with you, right? Like if I said, I don't want to be a burden on you, Noah, you're the only person that gets to say that I'm being a burden on you, right? Like I can't, I can't uh, make that decision. So it's just very interesting that we we say that about others or we say like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being annoying. Same thing, right? Like I can't make that distinction of what you think of me or make that decision. Um, so for her to say that, there's a, a story going on in her head about somebody else telling her she's a burden, right? because she's not able to do those things or, you know, isn't helping or anything like that. So, you know, I think, you know, we can look at this and be like, you know, she needs to get out of that. She needs to get out of that funk. But, you know, we had that one uh, podcast about um, leaning into the suck or leaning into the, the struggle. Right. And I think it's a perfect time for her to, um, to learn those lessons, to, to really, process like okay well if if I think I'm a burden and I'm not you know and and you know whoever can help kind of guide her into like well what does that really mean and and knowing like having the awareness that you you don't have the decision to make uh if you're burned or burden or not you know where is that coming from you know and um what is a what is the real truth about that I think that's a real gift right and in a dark place you know trying to find the light from that i think that's what i see anyways um is that there's so many lessons for her to learn in that and just in that one text it sounds like she touched on it i'm not sure if she went deeper or processed it or anything like that but um but yeah and i think that it's um you know, and, and you, you did a great job of getting her out of it and, and helping her move forward. And I think that that's important too, because um, we can't just stay there, right? Like we can't always, you know, be the happy-go-lucky person. Um, 
you know, smile at a funeral. We can't do that, right? So we have to go through those waves of feelings and, you know, suffering, if you want to call it that, struggle. Um, you know, I think that's also important. I want to touch on that idea of struggle. I think, <coughs> excuse me again, um, we're almost there. Um, we talked in the past about polyvagal theory. And we talked about what it meant for us. So I want to go back to that really quickly. Brief synopsis on polyvagal theory is the idea that we take in information. Our prediction and observation is built around subconscious trauma responses that happen typically pre-adolescence, right? So... And then from there, we respond in accordance. So we may not know why the prediction doesn't match the observation or why we're reacting the way we are, but we're, we are reacting around safety, right? That makes a lot of sense to me, which is why I've tied myself and I believe in that so much, but that's beside the point. The polyvagal theory tells us that information that comes in is either received task negative or task positive. What the polyvagal theory also tells us is that though not impossible to learn in task positive, it's easiest to learn in task negative. And so why it tells us that is because quite literally, because we have a negative response to whatever's coming towards us, it compromises our ability to create energy and our inherent biological system has to make an education around that to ensure that we don't continue to have glitches in the system that allow us to develop biologically. The nerdy version, that's the nerdy version. The simpler version of that is, is if I feel like I'm in danger, I learn quickly so that I don't put myself in danger again, right? If I go down an alleyway that I've been jumped in, I probably won't go down that alleyway again, right? If I walk by a manhole that I once saw pop open and something scared the crap out of me, I'll never forget that. I, I will always remember that manhole. So why is it that it's so easy to remember that manhole, but so hard to remember the word for can't in Spanish for some people, right? And the reason is, is because the word can't in Spanish doesn't have a negative effect on my potential ability to help myself heal. Right. And so this idea around task negative and learning in task negative is really valuable. In this instance with this young lady, had we not had some of the discussion that we had, potentially it's an opportunity to miss out on learning through this pain. Right. And so I used to really be afraid of working with people in these positions because I didn't, I, I didn't know how to help them. They almost felt like manic in their behavior. But what I've realized since is that this is the most ideal place as long as you have a positive relationship with somebody and they trust you. Because you can really impact people positively because they're scared and they're afraid, right? And so this injury has sparked subconscious feelings around shame, uh, Guilt and remorse around probably the way she viewed her mom towards the end of her life. I mean, we can go on for days, and I don't want to make her the case study, even though we are. Um, 
But I think what's valuable here is, is that when we end up injured and hurt, it's really important to control outcome. Because if I can control outcome, I can manage pain, I can manage sleep, I can manage expectation much, much simpler than when I'm just drowning in water and I can't get out. And I think in this instance, this is how people start this spiral around pain and always being in pain. <clears throat> because what happens is, is she's going to lay in bed for six weeks or isolate her left hip around her left foot for six weeks. And then her foot's going to heal. And no one's going to have discussion around her knee and hip that have been on a scooter. And so she's already in a dark, bad place. So she's already have, has higher inflammatory markers, which then will drive more pain responses that she wouldn't ordinarily feel. So she gets out of the boot with the expectation that life is going to be fine. And I'm going to the fucking gym, going to squat. She goes to the gym to squat and her hip hurts. Her prediction doesn't match her observation. We now have compounding issues that started from the pain in the leg. Now, guess what? That somatic air is going to be greater than the somatic air she's just had, meaning that the response around her hip will be greater. And so what's going to happen is that's going to spiral in a really negative place because her hip will become her pelvis, which will become her back, which will mean she won't work out anymore because it hurts which means she potentially gains weight, right? And she's now 30 pounds overweight. So now guilt and shame become greater problems. I know this sounds like a dramatic leap, but I'll tell you from a lot of the people that I've worked with, you can circle their pain all the way back to like a car accident 30 years ago. You really can. And so it's important to me that industry-wide, we understand that this is where psychology meets biology, and they have to become one. We as physical therapists can't treat just her foot. We have to treat her as a person and be kind and compassionate and available and resourceful. And that might mean, hey, you might want to go see somebody and go talk to a therapist about these feelings you have about your mom. I'm not qualified to have this, con this conversation, but it's clearly something that's important to you that you should, you should really maybe cope with. And maybe this is an opportunity while you're down and out and you have free time to invest deeper in your own personal well-being and your own emotions, right? Like these are, these are where we have to go in terms of an industry. And so this is one of those isolated incidents where I can really explain why what Kai and myself do, people in the holistic world do is so valuable because Ultimately, what we're doing is we're connecting all parts of a person. We're understanding that like she has an upregulatory breath pattern. She has biological issues that are greater than her ankle. She's going to have um, movement issues that are going to be greater than her ankle. She's going to walk real funny when she gets out, right? Like it's not as simple as her 12 PT visits that are going to be granted by the insurance company here shortly. That's not what's, that's not enough. And so um, I, that's why I really wanted to bring this to the forefront because it's just a, it's such a powerful opportunity, you know, to just have a conversation around the experience in pain.
Yeah, I think it, it does bring up a a big point in, uh, you know, because I think that what you just described, um, not just like part of it is like, okay, people that have acute pain that turns into heal and then more pain and then try to heal more pain, try to heal. And then it becomes chronic pain. Right. Um, and, and that's primarily kind of like what I deal with, what you deal with. Um, and I think that this approach is, uh, to me, what it sounds like is to avoid chronic pain. Um, because at a certain point, like if they don't have the right resources, they're going to go to pharmaceuticals, which means then they don't just have chronic pain. Now they have de dependency on pharmaceuticals and interventions like that, which, you know, could help for a little bit, but not necessarily be the root solution. Um, well, to that, to that point, actually, Kai, I'm, I'm glad you said that, actually, because people ask me a lot, like, they're like, you just hate pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm like, no, I actually don't. Like, I was just sick. And I, I like, I had some NyQuil. Like, I don't, I don't actually hate these drugs. Like, what I'll, what I'll tell you is, is that if the drugs are used correctly, they're really useful. But if someone is sliding into depression and you're pumping them full of pain pills, we have a problem because coping mechanisms are created, right? So managing the person doesn't mean that we can't utilize some like 800 milligram ibuprofen. It's like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not inhumane by any means. Like modern medicine is advanced. It's utilizing it, right? Yeah. Um, but, but the problem is, is if this person and I don't interact, what happens is, is she gets a bunch of pharmaceuticals and she's told to lay on her back. Nobody is going to have discussions with her in the traditional medical sense around the way she feels around her emotions, around her mental state, um, or give alternatives to how to go to the gym around her foot, how to train around her foot, how to train once her foot is healed, right? Because they're not trained to do any of that stuff. They don't understand any of those things. So what will happen is, is she'll start walking her foot will hurt and they'll give her meds, which will change her gait pattern, which will mess up her knee or hip, right? Which will mess up her pelvis, which will mess up her spine, right? Because we know that's all connected. And nobody's going to stop and be like, what does your arch look like? Can you wiggle your toes? Can you pick up your big toe? Can you straighten your leg? Can you lift your leg up off the ground? Right. And so this is actually like, I think really powerful because she can take ibuprofens or whatever medication is needed as long as the other stuff is fulfilled. And this is the problem. The other stuff isn't fulfilled. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, I think we'll probably have a podcast about this, but um, you know, it, go, it goes back to the what I said in the very beginning of people don't want to go into the struggle, right? Right. As soon as there's struggle, we have to get rid of it. That's what we've been taught. Like anytime you have a headache, I'll oh, take an ibuprofen. Anytime you get a cut, oh, go get a bandaid. Um, you know, you scrape your knee, anything like that. You know, you're trying to do all these things. 
which in and again not not wrong things but you know <laughs> as funny as my dad was anytime that we had a cut or a, a gash or something like that like yeah clean it but just let it heal like you don't need a band-aid just let it heal um so I learned very early on to you know kind of lean into the struggle um you know and there are a couple people in my life that are going through losses with pets right not and and that's not to say that that's not um not valid or whatever uh, some people just think oh it's just back and move on but you know going through that process of of loss is important right just like when you're in pain it's important to feel the pain. It's important to understand your pain. And I think that's where a lot of people, they don't get that opportunity because of the, the idea that we need to get rid of it as soon as possible. Um, and I can't pinpoint exactly where that comes from, but um, that's just something that I see a lot, right? Like as soon as someone's in pain, it's like, okay, we got to go do this, do this, do that. But I like, sit with it, right? As a parent, I can, I think I can tell you where it comes from. I think a lot of parents, when kids are hurt or we become reactive, it's a piece of us that we love so much. And yeah. so we don't implement sit in the suck early like early on what we end up doing is we get very reactive around discomfort mm -hmm. i'm bored i respond uh, i'm hurt i respond that's what we do as parents and so i think it's something that's embedded in us very very early on at a young age yeah um you know and i, I think it, it it becomes a it also going back to like trauma and dealing with your trauma and not passing it on to your kids that idea um because you you see it with certain types of people that you grow up with right like the parents that had so much struggle right a lot of um immigrants that came from different countries that came here that had you know this is the place of opportunity they made the best of what they did and then they don't teach their kids the struggle that they came from because they don't want them to struggle and then these kids are not all of them but most are you know kind of like dickheads right they just think everything's given to them and you know they're very uh um what's the word? entitled right and then they pass it on to their kids um but you know i think we have to not we have to but I think there's an opportunity for us to shift perspective on struggle. And I think that's, I'll leave that there for our, our next podcast, but I plant the seed, if you will. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, this is a tough, this is a tough one. This is, a, this is like a, this one is like the, the root of the problem for the industry. And it's, it's interesting to me because it's like a, a real clear parameter of what early stages of 
compounding pain are like. And yeah. so it's just, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting moment for me in time. I, I try to like freeze these moments. It's hard. Like when you do, when you do what we do for a living, it isn't easy all the time to stop and like make content, like stop and like, Oh damn it. Someone record me now. I'm about to like, Mm -hmm. I'm in my zone. Like I, I, I have so many moments with my patients that are these like really beautiful, great moments that I just wish there was a camera on. Um, Cause it makes it really easy, much easier to contextualize what I do for work. This was thankfully one of those moments, text message is great. Cause it slows everything down. Right. Um, this is one of those moments though, that like, Oh shit. Why am I different right here? Right now. Um, that wasn't a billable hour, right? That wasn't like, this was just being a good human being to somebody who, you know, I've got invested interest in. And so I think that's kind of the cool thing about what we do. Like it, it doesn't have to be billable hours. It can just sometimes be being a good human. Right. And so, I don't know. I, it's nice to be able to have this discussion around this moment. And um, I appreciate our vulnerability and allowing us to talk about it. Um, I think we did it. I think that that was probably, we beat the horse pretty good on that one. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to her as well for letting her, letting us converse. Talk through it. Yeah. Converse, conversualize. So anyways, uh, this is what we do. This is our work. Uh, this is this is how we go about it. Thank you guys as always. This is Noah at Root Dot Solution on Instagram, and this is Kai at Control the Basics. Have a good one. <laughs>